Hello and welcome to Calm Versations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's Calm Versant is returning guest Jason Bradley, who runs the Everybody Shook YouTube and Twitter accounts. He has been working extremely deeply and longly on a project that details the origins of population control and the UN and the WEF and what some people call them globalists and his work is absolutely phenomenal and in our previous conversation we covered that and the response there too or to him specifically was that people couldn't really see if he was for or against population control and top-down control and so in this conversation we kind of drill into what he thinks but the problem is is that he studies these things so much that He's really concerned with providing information rather than providing his own take on the information, but we still get into the take on the information. And this stuff is very apropos of this moment with regard to how the globalist leaders are pushing people towards certain behaviors and towards meeting certain standards with regards to access to food, to energy, and forced mandating of various different medical interventions for various different diseases that might or might not be designed by humans themselves. So this conversation, the previous conversation, should be thought of as a continuing conversation and definitely check out his work, which are linked down in the description. Without further ado, here is Jason Bradley. How's it going? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Looking forward to catching up and uh, nailing you down just a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I'm down. Because it was uh, it was really interesting. Uh, people could not tell if you were for or against population control. Because you're just being so neutral. You're like, just this, this is what it is. And everybody's like, is he... F- Globalist or not, like they couldn't figure you out, you know, so I wanted to give you a chance to maybe say your view or maybe you don't want to have a view on this issue. Maybe you like to remain in the clouds. I just like to remain, you know, like it's, it's just, I think the thing that gets people confused is that everyone has a side. You know, and they just can't contemplate like what, what, what it could be like to think that both sides make really good points. And that both sides are also full of shit on certain issues. And, you know, Uh. they confuse my position with like a feint of neutrality. But, you know, thinking Hmm. it's like I'm not thinking both opinions are are wrong doesn't make one neutral. I just don't you know, I'm not, you know, there's 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 multiple sides to every argument. And I just see there's there's this situation that happens where people put their blinders on once they kind of decide they they know what's happening and i am constantly i look at this stuff closer than anybody i've ever met or anybody i know and i'm constantly learning new things you know like like this week has been mind-blowing for me and i've been digging through this stuff for years and i'm already like again you know sometimes you just open up a a chapter that you haven't read yet and the story unfolds further and you can kind of see more of the the angle of like you thought someone's argument was something and it's that's that's not really what they were saying you were just misunderstanding it and you know that that's happened to me several times now so i'm just cautious about i don't know nailing myself down to something 
It was those Mexican aliens, wasn't it? That really yeah, just that was like it. blew that's the what, door that's wide what, open, wasn't it? No, I'm I'm very seldomly uh, aware of what's happening. I, I'm like, like current events, I, I keep up on in the same way. Like I kind of know what celebrity gossip is because I walk by the, you know, the the magazine rack at the grocery store. Like, you know, that's like you just yeah. because I like I have like I'm on Twitter, so I see what people are talking about, but I don't really pay attention to any of that stuff. Usually my head's like right now I'm in like the 1940s through like uh, going into the first decade of development. And it's just, it's, you know. Okay. Decade of development. Could you define what you mean by that development? Oh yeah. So there was, you know, um, two decades of development, you know, when, um, when the League of Nations failed, it failed because it it uh, it didn't have any teeth and it wasn't really doing anything like, you know, once the League of Nations uh, or once Japan left the League of Nations, like they tried to like sanction Japan for going to war, you know, because of overpopulation, everyone had been saying, you know, Japan's going to go to war. Japan's going to go to war because there's no way that that big of a population can stay within such limited borders so it's inevitable and the whole league of nations thing is like you know no we're going to maintain peace this is what, what how it's going to happen and then japan's like all right that's nice and they went to war and then when the league of nations tried to sanction them uh japan just left and like basically all of their authority just fell out and that's when the league of nations started getting into more like philanthropic stuff like okay well we can't really keep peace but maybe we can feed people maybe we can educate people you know maybe we can do and that's where they kind of got into their like good deedism and then um when they collapsed uh in the united nations took their place um a lot of people were highly skeptical of the United Nations because the League of Nations failed so poorly. And it's basically the exact same organization with a new label across the front that they kind of capitalized on the whole uh, propaganda campaigns through the war of like the nations united against the axis of evil. And so they built this, you know, kind of like a rebranding. And through the 50s, it looked to be the case where, yeah, it's just the League of Nations again. No real leaders were showing up you know a lot of a lot of talk a lot of agreements and then no implementation on the actual actions or you know yeah. no follow through um and so then getting into the 60s it's what's called the decade of development all of these new okay. ideas emerged of um trying to mo- through modernization they believed that they could change the change societies basically and that's where, like, well, the the area that I approach it is from, like, um, the uh, the population side. So that's yeah. you know, it's all uh, demographic transition theory kind of emerged through this time from like 1945 onward. They were kind of trying to figure out the different stages of evolution that societies go through, and they were trying to. The theory was that if they can advance them, like if they can give them a jump start to get them more developed, that they'll reach a phase where they naturally just stop having so many kids. You know, you take care of everybody, everything's taken care of. And now, you know, they, people will just naturally stabilize. Um, that didn't so happen. A great of leap forward slash great reset. Yeah. Uh, well, pre those things, you know, but the same, I mean, it's the same kind of like, um, it's just, 
it's like an economic philosophy applied to an evolutionary theory of how population develops. So yeah. it's it's it, it's been wrong its entire existence, but I'm my mind is is consistently blown at ha- how it was wrong. And instead of like changing the name or coming up with something else, they just amended it. And now they just keep calling it, you know, demographic transition theory, even though it's in like it's it's like fourth phase of, de- <laughs> of you know, of this. is okay. okay, this is how population works, guys. We figured it out. Okay, this is it. We got it this time. And it doesn't ever acknowledge that it was wrong previously. It just kind of just keeps going. With, with with like a new motto and i don't so what are what's your and you again you don't have to come down one way or the other you can remain like fainting sure. into your neutrality but like what's your opinion on the people who take it upon themselves to control the world and they're doing it through demographic transition they're doing it through population concerns with population it seems like there are the masters of the universe these kinds of people who get it in their heads that they need to fix this problem fix this human problem but they are humans themselves they're not gods they're not masters of the universe so there's this or do you admire them for their uh you know the yeah, I mean, trying I to do people, these. I, I think people are fools not to admire anyone who is okay. following their passion to do what they think is right. Okay. I think you know the people that I I come down hard on. I think th- throughout history are the people who um, misrepresented what they were doing, or politic their way into positions, or you know, like um, I'm rather adverse to like Fabianism. Like, I really don't like Fabianism because it inserts itself as one thing and it's always got this ulterior motive of just constantly moving you in this direction that they've already predetermined and they're just letting you, letting it play out a little slower. Like, could, that you, to me, could you define for the idiots in the audience, such as me, what Fabianism is? Because I can't remember what that means. So there was, it's like kind of like long view Marxism. You know, as opposed to like revolutionary Marxism, um, it's it's a belief that uh, that emerged in the like uh, 1880s, 1890s, I think is when it yeah, like 1895, I want to say something like that is when the Fabian societies started out. And it's kind of like um, it's like a a an elite, an elitists or uh, Anglican version of of, of socialism. You know, uh, some Fabian people kind of adopt Marxian views. Others uh, in the Fabian society completely just don't like Marx at all because they find him too resentful. You know, Um, he's like what they would probably call Fabians are like what they would call like ivory tower socialists, you know, and um, their their view is basically that there's no reason for revolution. And, And also revolutions are messy. People get killed and all this stuff it's it's patience it's the long game so you know their original logo was actually a wolf in sheep's clothing that was their oh. uh, that was their actual logo and now it's okay. a turtle or it, a and turtle then, it got, and, then it turned into and, a turtle yeah because it's like, like the slow okay you know yeah. win the race thing but anyway it's okay. like a, achilles and the tortoise kind of thing okay yeah but and, so you know, even though they say explicitly that they are wolf in sheep's clothing you still don't admire them because they're it's a switch and bait. 
No, I mean, and I can't just say that all Fabian social like there's people that like Bertrand Russell was in the Fabian Society for a little while. But I I love Bertrand Russell, um, but I also don't agree with everything Bertrand Russell says or thought. And just because I don't agree with someone doesn't mean that I I don't admire them. And okay. and like I'm just I don't know. I've I've done some 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 stuff in my life like i've actually accomplished a few things and in accomplishing things i think i i have an inherent respect for how difficult it is to actually accomplish something so people who actually accomplish their goals or actually set and just have like i try to see what their perspective was and and typically if you try to understand who people are they at least believe that they're good you know, and what they're doing is good. I just don't, I guess I don't adopt a moralistic view and sit Okay, in okay so you won't say whether or not it's good to have a, a network of power that controls the nations, like a unified world government or a centralized authority that has ultimate say over what all of humanity wants to do. I mean, that doesn't sound good. You're not selling me on it. Um, okay. <laughs> I think... But is that not what these uh, League of Nations, United Nations, uh, WF... To, to an extent. I mean, we, again, man, it's it's the hardest thing. Is, it's about perspective, you know? Um, huh. And I think that's... People one are just reasons. not going to like this. And and I'm fine with you being this way, but people are going to say, you know, you got right. well, to me, take I a mean, stand I, on these masters of the universe kind of people. Well, and here's the thing. It's like, um, there's always masters, so it's different master. It's which master you want, okay. you know, and I don't want a master. Um, that's not a thing that I want. Um, but I understand the processes that it like, I understand like, like how they evolved to get where they're at. Okay. So like, just, just for an example, like, like, you know, um, the league of nations is different than the UN, even though a lot, there was a lot of the same people and there was a lot of, the same philosophies and basically like the organizations just changed property holders and you know say but they were different and a lot of what the united nations first stood for i'm actually i'm not for i wouldn't be in support of the league of nations or the united nations on like a just an ideological level like i hear what they're doing and i think oh that's bad but when i try to like say solve world hunger on my own like okay you don't like how they're solving world hunger you solve world hunger big guy and i sit down and i actually try to solve world hunger which i i i, I do and uh it's just one of these things where huh. i respect what they've done and like i understand that like these problems are complicated and they're dealing with complicated and there's also you're dealing with a lot of people with a lot of different influences and different time periods so to just like like say like two years ago, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, defund the UN, defund the UN, get the UN out of here. Right. And like, I was all on board with the defund the UN, get them like they shouldn't. Have. And then I thought like, okay, if you want to defund the, like practically go through this in your brain and think in stages, like how would this happen? What are the, what are the results of this? Could you just rip them out of society and society's better? And in most cases, yes. So like getting the UN out of education, 100% yes. No more. Get them out of your education, people. We got to do. But if we're going to just tear down the U.N., we've got to come up with an alternative for the food and agricultural organization. Otherwise, millions of people are going to starve that year. Like they they're literally keeping people alive. 
like, you know, everybody likes to say like, oh, Ehrlich was wrong and which he was. Um, but all of the doomsayers are wrong. But a lot of that's because the FAO has been putting out these fires. They've been redistributing, you know, okay. food stocks to impoverished countries. So it's like it's hard to say, like, things are all bad. But then, you know, here's here's my hesitation on that. Then they use the fact that they put the food stocks there because they're keeping you alive in order to be eligible to receive that. You have to receive their education. I think that's wrong. I think it sounds good, but the education that they're getting is crazy. That's mm. it's like they're basically um, since 1974. In order to be eligible for the world to a recipient of the World Food Program's aid, you have to have your like daughters in family planning is basically the first educational course. They, they learn how to read on birth control propaganda. Oh, that's crazy to me. They're not like trying to just teach these girls how to read. They're trying to teach them to stop having babies. And that's what they mean by education. And that to me just seems wild. Okay. But at the same time, and this might frustrate people, I also understand their point about, you know, if you don't prevent the life, the life is going to suffer. You know, or... like, could, you, could you imagine... Yeah. Uh, saving 10 million 10 million people which is which has happened and then 20 years later watching all those people you save starve because you couldn't keep saving people you know like that's what these people have been through a couple times so like the guy who like popularized ddt thought he was saving the world because hey you know uh, Malaria is going to go away, all this stuff. But the very first, within 20 years, the very first village that received DDT was already struggling with overpopulation. And that's, you know, into the 60s, where then that's when they're realizing, like, oh, okay, we're solving one problem and creating another. Okay. And, you know, that's just a difficult position to be in. And I, I respect <sighs> anyone trying to solve the problem. I'm okay, just, well, okay, I, okay. That doesn't well, mean that I that, that, that's how they try to solve it. Yeah, that's that's the question then. Is, this Thomas Sowell quote just keeps on popping up for the last few it weeks for me. It's like, there's no solutions, there's only trade-offs. That's right. Is it, is it, in and of itself, is it good to even try to solve that problem? I don't know. I mean... I, I, I'm still thinking on that one because it's such a deep, you know, this project that I'm on has been like a, it's pretty devastating emotionally sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like the gravity of, of what's happened hits me sometimes. The and gravity like, of what people have done or just the gravity of how life has unfolded and tragedy has unfolded historically. Uh, both, you know, like I, I think Like, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. And at the same time, I don't agree with what they're doing. So it's it's difficult because I understand people, but, but at the same time, I just don't agree. But I don't think that my disagreement is valid unless I have a, a counter solution or a better, so, or, or at least a how to stop this from being a non-solution. You know, we can't just, anti-humanism isn't the cure for the planet, you know? That's not, that's not okay. But I also understand why people feel that way sometimes or why they're feeling like 
you know, they love the earth so much and then they watch what's happening to it and they're like, we're the ones doing it and I hate myself for the, and it's like, I understand that train of thought doesn't mean I agree with it, but I, I have compassion for them. And huh. okay. if anything in my work, huh. I'm just trying to, exp it's like, hmm. I'm not sure, like, like I was a child of divorce. So like my dad always had one story of situations and my mom always had one story of situations and I loved them both but they were both kind of full of shit on certain things. And you kind of had to analyze what both of them say to get a, a clear picture of what actually happened. Cause you know them and you know what they're lying about and what they're shielding. And then this one, and that's the same thing with like all of these discussions to me. It's like, like I said, it's not like I'm choosing the middle. I just see, I see the bullshit and I'm just trying to clear it out so that other people can better see hmm. what I'm looking at. If that makes sense. You know, I've been, um, I've kind of adopted a couple of young, young boys, uh, nine and 12, and, uh, we awesome. have a lot of time together, so I'm trying to figure out what to do with that time. Right. Uh, so I got back into board gaming, you know, and, and nice. trying to find the right board games. And we, we, uh, you know, we kind of actually, the, the meta game is finding the right game and figuring out how to figure out games and, and figuring out who's better at different kinds of games and stuff. And there's all these different ways, uh, to game, um, but what you're talking about, like, if you could make a uh, tabletop si simulator of, like, the UN, or, like, how to how to solve population control, and then have all these different factors, or, you know, how to solve word, world hunger, and then you have overpopulation, like, there's all, you could see that you could probably make, like, a convincing kind of war game of what the UN's done, just, just yeah. even in Africa, like, save Africa, which would be, like, it would be canceled so hard. Kickstarter would never let you kickstart it, but it would probably be a really fascinating game if you start in like 1920 and then like you, you have till 1990 or 2020 to like. Yeah, 2030, you know? <laughs> yeah, 2030. Yeah, you have until 20. Yeah, that would be the name of the game, 2030. Um, and you have 50 years to like, you know, like meet yeah. some sort of like end goal. But, um, So I'm thinking of that, which is just a huge conversation and like, that would be like a fun little kind of thought experiment to get down to. For but sure. like whenever you talk about, like when you say that they, they help this village and then this village has overpopulation, like why is overpopulation a problem? Why can't these people like figure, like what is the infrastructure that they, these people that are overpopulating their area, uh, what, what's the hurdle that they need to come, uh, overcome to organize their lives in such a way that they don't need any more help? And why aren't they being taught that? Well, and well, can you thing. even teach that? Which is a big question when you start to look at this thing called, uh, I'm not even going to bring it up, but like certain cultures sure, just aren't, uh, they, they don't prioritize certain things that other cultures prioritize, let's say it that way. It's, it's such a complicated question, and that's the one that I've been exploring how they've been trying to solve it throughout time. Um, okay, a lot yeah, of it okay. comes down to, believe it or not, uh, simple corruption. You know, corruption is crazy. Like these places okay. get the... How do you solve corruption then? Yeah, well, that's... I don't... It's inherent in the human... I, my personal belief, and this is how I solve... Instead of trying to put out all these small fires, yeah. I think the... And I'm convinced currently but my position might change on this as i continue to explore and learn more but my current model is that a, de a decentralized um management network could solve this like i think the problem with um 
the top-down centralized models is that you run into all of this like it starts off as a good idea and by the time it actually gets to the people it's just been corrupted till all get out whereas if you start these programs on the ground floor and leave them to operate and either fail or succeed on their own that's a totally it's like if if you tell people what to do you get employees if you tell people what needs to get done you get leaders you get managers you get people that are emerging out of this because they know what to get needs to get done and then you have to just have a network of problem solving to help them through their growing pains you know but if you can do like a five-year get you off the ground ground floor work your way up make sure that the community has what it needs to take care of itself um i think that's a much more stable uh structure than well guys we've got the programs in place yeah we we got it signed off on five years ago it's just now landing here and within that five years the government that's been running it already cut the funding for it and now and then we had to take some other funding and put it somewhere so this is the only shipment you're going to get of this program that we it took us five years to to roll okay. out you know and that happens over and over and over again over and and then also you get like just crazy just nightmare situations of you know you get these people that go to these villages and then they turn these people into you know sex slaves and they the food becomes currency and uh yeah it's it's terrible i mean it's just terrible stuff it's like sometimes the people who are are trying to help end up doing some of the craziest you know it almost seems like the greater the good intention it's like the worse the outcome is sometimes Mm -hmm. like it just seems devastating and i think that plays into your question about overpopulation like why couldn't they feed themselves it's like they never had to like their whole culture evolved with you know malaria so this many people were dying this is how they've set up their agricultural system and then within a generation if you change that you're dealing with an exponential issue and that's what they ran into so like they went into the 40s you know um a lot of a lot of the post-war initiative like prior to the decade of develop or decades of development was trying to bring it was actually more of a socialist vision of population control where they didn't view it as like a top down we got to tell the population to control itself they thought that if you freed them that population control was like a, a level of freedom it was bodily autonomy it was freedom from this kind of stuff so if you just uh, if you fix the society you would fix the people you know the people would fix themselves basically so just yeah. fix fix the pro and so they were just shipping this food in they were shipping the ddt in they were shipping the medical treatments in and they the were education doing well the education actually didn't come till later that's okay. the thing they thought these people were going to be educating themselves and then not to mention it was super taboo to bring up population control like you couldn't even discuss family planning it was just so taboo like they had okay. to like yeah. the who couldn't take a position on family planning until like the mid 70s is that because because of all of the um like the the first wave of people who were already there were christians the missionaries well i it was actually kind of yes yes um and it was also a competition for charity you know the person who is feeding the people has the people those, that's your people. That's why, you know, in our last conversation, I was talking about food banks and, and I didn't mean it like on a soup kitchen. I mean it like on a structural 
systematic level. Like you feed people and that's where the leverage comes from. When you're where they get their food from, that's where you start to be. So the Catholic church was handling this for a long time. Yeah. And you know, when the UN is like, hi, we're here to take it over. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of an ideological yes. head that took about 20 years for them to push past, you know? Okay. And so that's, just to pause on that, um, yeah. in your estimation, who was doing a better job, like track record wise, Catholic church or the, uh, UN and associated organizations, WHO stuff like that. I, you know, I can't come down hard in on either of them. I don't, I think they were both, I, I'm naturally, I don't like what the Catholic church did. In, in what, in, some, in, what in a lot of senses, just um, for examples, yeah, just in like the cultural decimation aspects of like, like I get that, like it's your God and your stuff, but like you know, uh, hmm. having to give up your God to eat is harsh. Having to give up your children to eat is also harsh. I'm not into either philosophy, huh. but those are those are kind of where they both went. You know, one was because they wanted your patronage, they wanted your you know, they were harvesting soldiers in their in their war for God type thing. And the other yeah. one is that they want your compliance and that they want they're feeding you now. They would like to stop feeding so many people, please. And the best way to stop feeding so many hungry people is to stop making so many people who are in a in a situation where they're going to be hungry. Like You know, like and it's I, like I said, I can. Well, if they're I understand I, both positions, I just don't. You, I don't know. It's just tough. What do you it's mean by tough. if they're in the position that they're going to go hungry? Like, are these places just they're not able to farm or to innovate their own food systems? Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's there's a lot of that. You know, we 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 talk about like technology and like how much technology has advanced this stuff, and and you know, that was you know developed like the. The wheat that saved everyone wasn't developed in Africa or India or anywhere. It it was shipped there, and then they were yeah. taught to cultivate it, and they were taught and like then they're so they're they're producing more, and they're being taught how to produce more. But you can't have abundance when it's like it's it's difficult because you know uh, a family might have ten kids and three survive normally. But then yeah. in that 20 year span now, um, not only are the mosquito treatments preventing the malaria deaths, which was probably the most significant factor in all of this, um, but that prevention of malaria deaths is then going to amplify how many more people are eating at the table. Yeah. So while there is enough, there's more food at the table, there's also more mouths at the table. Which, yeah. and the more food you get, the more mouths you get. Yeah, and it just kind of keeps amplifying like that for a, a couple generations. And yeah. again, what they thought was going to happen was that they were going to, like, within within a generation, they thought they were going to kind of, like, the lights were going to come on. And like, oh, good. Uh, we had 10 kids and all 10 kids survived. So these 10 kids, we're going to teach to not have 10 kids. That it's okay. You can only have three kids and you'll probably make it at least one will make it to adulthood you'll be good like they, they thought that reasoning with but that's not how those 10 kids had six or 10 kids and then those kids all survived and then you know it just swelled within this and you know when they thought that the decline was going to happen um it did not and they just you know 
it it just kept accelerating a, a lot a lot of these places that have the what at the time they would call backwards cultures you know uh which is kind of what you were referring to like you go there and you just you just can't help these people you know like you try to help them and you come back and the you gave them all the equipment to dig the well and you come back and they're they sold it or <laughs> it's like yeah. you you know i think it's hard because you and I see that and we think, okay, well, if you can't help them, just leave them be and let them help themselves. Uh, I think other people see that as an opportunity to where, you know, they can kind of figure out like, oh, okay, well, these people are just going to sell the stuff we give them. If we give them more stuff, I wonder if I can work in an angle to where uh, I cut cut some out for myself and I start uh. making money off of this. So then they're food, selling food supplies that they're getting for free and then everybody's yeah. kind of paying each other through these like the officials are looking the other way and then that's where the systems break down but if you if you cut that tether uh, of the support network and you just leave it on the ground that the moment these people sell all of their stuff that was it that was your shot guys you know and from from that point um the only argument for even helping them is so that they don't attack neighboring places because yeah. those are typically the people, the people who are going to sell all the stuff. They're the ones who are now when they're hungry, they're going to come take your food. And that's where it yeah. gets really complicated because some of these places, they're just pumping assistance into to protect the places who are trying their best over here. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have regional war zones. Wow. So it, yeah. it's such a complex and complicated Jeez. situation. Um, and again, it's it's transpiring across decades and decades. And I think we lose scale about like you know like we just lived through something crazy like in these last three years but historians when they look back um say if there are historians in 20 years when they look back very casually they'll relate something that happened to in night in 2020 to something that happened in 2030 as causal like this happened and so this happened even though you yeah. and I lived through this whole span and we saw that's not how it happened. And then in this, in it's like, those are not related, you know, yeah. okay. but our interpretation of it just becomes so oversimplified to where what we're looking at isn't even how it really happened. And I think that's where people are with this stuff is they have a picture of it that that's not how it really happened. So if you go through and you read, like, instead of podcasts, I sit in on UN meetings like I just, I spend most of my time on the UN archive and I've, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about an event unless I sat through it and listened to the interviews and I have the B-roll and I was like, I, I really dig into this stuff and <laughs> I don't know, it's just impossible to really look at it and not come away with a bit of a head scratch once in a while. And like, a, I think too many people are uncomfortable saying, I don't know. And I honestly don't know like when it comes to who's <laughs> right and wrong. I don't know. And that's why I'm exploring it. Yeah. You know, I don't uh, know. Are you, are you concerned more with overpopulation or with the people who uh, want to save us from overpopulation? Are you more concerned about the environment collapsing or the people who want to save us from the environment collapsing? So I'm definitely more concerned about the people who, uh, want to save us from environmental collapse. Uh, those, there's, there's a contingent there um, that is completely non-threatening, that are just passive supporters of the right thing, you know? But on the very far side of that, 
um, I don't think people truly understand what we're dealing with on the, um, to the effect of like, the people who are seriously convinced that there are too many people are seriously convinced that there are too many, like they are, that is, they know it. Um, what they're trying to do in lessening the amount of people is give us the the good path. Like, okay, we'll make it easy for you. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll roll it out slowly. We'll let you make the decisions for yourself. You know, they're using operant conditioning to phase us into this system of behavior because they think that's the humane way to do it. But okay. if the humane way doesn't work, there is a plan B, you know, and that's what, those are the people that terrify me because okay. they're just, they know that what they know is right. And anyone who is that convinced is just a dangerous person, I think. And, I, and, and I, I'm seeing that. And they're not just a bunch of kooks in basements. No, no, they're quite the opposite. It's like the people who are in control of a lot of stuff are really just not. They're picturing a world where all the people who are criticizing them now are dead. And there's a statue in the town square commemorating how they save society. You know, that's the world they're picturing. And that's mm -hmm. on their vision board. And mm -hmm. that's what they're going after. And they have the means to do that. And there's a, like several of them that are just i mean i just can't even it's hard to follow you know but that's why well, it's like, hard to follow because it well you know a lot of what worldview is so different from yours or no just i mean it's just such a complicated structure that they've set okay. up you oh, know you have yeah. you know anytime you're dealing with 20 or 30 year plans you're dealing with like next level thinking you know, long-term thinking is really hard to unravel. Um, and the hardest part about it is that, uh, is to go into it without thinking that you know what you're looking at. Okay. Because if you know what you're looking at, then you know what you're looking for, and that's all you'll find. You'll okay. just always find what you're looking for. Oh, okay. So it's good to like kind of examine it with like a, okay, well, let's like an archaeological dig where yeah, you have something okay. that's happening and then you can yeah. kind of stretch out and you can say okay i know they move through this system let's see how this works and you know when you start putting it together um especially like the past you know going in from the 90s forward is where i think things started getting very real and i think you know we're looking at um people trying to force us into a next phase of evolution and i'm you know, I don't think I'll even be around for it. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about how it plays out. It's just, uh, that's the story that I'm watching. You know, okay. that's the one everybody can bicker about whatever they're going to bicker about. I'm, I'm watching the end game and I'm trying okay. to like, see how yeah. things are working and see how things are coming together. And that's just the story when I uncovered, it's just been a nonstop pursuit to explore it and then present what I've been finding to people along the way. Okay, so family planning is one of the obvious ones. They're, they're very explicit about that. Um, but if you scratch the surface a little bit, you find this LGBTQ stuff going on. Where yeah. They're really heavily promoting that. And if you look at the promotion of transgenderism, um, which will soon enough become transhumanism, uh, you can see that this kills two birds with one stone. Uh, well, at least it kills one, well, it kills two stones with one bird. Let's just put it 
that way. Um, right. So, so one, on one level you could think, you know, they're pumping a lot of money in this, you know, to, to all these rights under the banner of rights stuff. And maybe it's good. Maybe they really do want to advance the rights of people, but it also dovetails with, if you have a lot of people, um, either castrating themselves, sterilizing themselves or participating in sexualities that are non-productive, yeah. then, then that dovetails with the, their, goal of decreasing population because you you brought up there's all these soft things like we'll let you go down this path and if you, you know, yeah it's and, operant conditioning be... all the way down to so what about... are some of those operant conditioning things i threw out the uh, you know the the prevalence of this progress pride flag um um you know uh i can't say that again like we spoke last time um about this just briefly there's no i don't think there is like a smoking gun that points towards you know they are um doing this by policy but it's definitely uh by setting the agenda for like say like gender equality like what they do is they set up like say gender equality and that's just this blanket term it has an icon and the reason they switched over to the icon system is because literacy is such a big issue you know you can't edge it like you want people to kind of get the idea of what you're doing without even having to be able to read you know they just want yeah. iconography is coming back in a big way but when you break down what that you know gender equality icon actually means and you start looking into the like what is gender equality you know they talk about it like workplace parody and stuff like that which is a joke that they don't really want workplace parody what they want is hmm. compulsory education for female children and then those female children that they educated, they want to put into leadership roles in companies. Okay. That's, you know, it's oh. a placement program. So it's okay. yeah. well thought out, but that's not really, I mean, gender, they're not lobbying to get more female roofers or anything. Um, okay. When yeah. we're uh, digging another layer down into that. Uh, so like before these, you know, the 2015 roll out of the icons and stuff you have the earlier phases of this which go back to like the 1994 uh population conference population and development conference um and that's where they kind of switched over to the uh overpopulation or population questions i should say because they kind of switched away from overpopulation talking points in the late 80s but um they fully transitioned to sexual and reproductive health care services and that's yeah. how they're kind of repackaging that. So like yeah. you have this like family planning is now part of gender equality and gender equality is good. It's this all, you know, like, okay. And then so, but then if you read into the stuff, like none of this stuff, they've like said, okay, we're starting over clean and only what it says on these two documents is what it means. No, they say, okay, this is that. And then that 1994 goes all the way back to uh, 1974, which gets into the role of women in the population plan of action. And the role of women is to get more women in the workplace so that we have less, so they have less time to have babies. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you can take away that time, if you can also, if you can get them to have babies later, you can get them to do things like that, then you can take a whole life cycle out of the system just by getting women involved. So it's like this whole, it follows all the way back. Um, with the homosexuality and stuff, there was mention of that in the 70s time period. There was, you know, when people were talking more openly about stuff, it was even suggested as like, you know, we could use homosexuality as a uh, 
as a as a way to deterrent. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, deter um but it it was only in the uh like the advisory paperwork, never in the actual policy stuff. So what one has to kind of look at at that point is who who were these policy advisors and what were those organ and it's just a few organizations are allowed to advise the UN. They only take advice on huh. certain subjects from certain people. Really? And yeah, and if you follow those organizations, that's where you find the good stuff. That's yeah. where you find who their advisors are, who they're where they were educated, who they were educated under, what they were into, what they wrote their thesis on, and that's where it all kind of starts making sense. And then when you get into like the 90s, that's again, you come up through that side. So not the actual official side, but if you come up through the back end academic training side, that's yeah. where you find that they emerged into this new child protection act which was really anything but, you know, the Child Protection Act was kind of like a, a way to get control of the children um, by this feint of like making sure they have rights. And the people who are like making sure they have rights are like these, cr the, uh, I, I well, hesitate yeah. to call anyone crazy, but they're just not, okay. yeah, not anyone I would choose to okay. put in charge of. Well, like California, protection Act. the great state of California, um, is doing this like they're they're actively pursuing stopping yeah. schools from uh, letting parents know what is happening to their kids and saying that we're protecting children's rights and right. what what they what they actually mean by protecting students or children's rights is that they are the parents yeah not the parents and so yeah. they are in charge and what they're teaching the kids is that their sex is completely malleable, that that uh, reproduction is the last thing that sex is about. Sex is about pleasure, and sex is about um, liberation. The adulation, liberation, yeah. the adulation of your own self. It has nothing to do with family. Um, that's just like that's just a byproduct. Yeah, uh, like that's downstream from your sexuality. So they're they're indoctrinating the kids, and then a more a higher and higher number of those kids are deciding to go on this medical path, and the yeah. parents are then are completely blocked out from doing that. So this is and exactly even criminalized for opposing it, right? Like, and they they, they will soon enough, yeah, oh, soon enough you, you'll you'll have your kids taken away from you Terrifying. if you don't go along with this stuff. So so California is implementing this thing that's a child protection act. It sounds exactly like what the UN was doing, at least on words. But California is able to get away with it a little bit more because they're a little well, bit well, more. Well, no, uh, the, 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 the UN's actions on this degree happened, you know, 30 years ago now. So oh. we're looking at a world, a whole generation that grew up with that reality. And then there was now a new, you know, amendments to this act. And there's new uh, whole fields of study that grow out of um people find like the, the um you know the same people who finance the family planning stuff are financing the gender studies departments and schools and setting up the endowments and setting up so you know 30 years later you have people who are professional at thinking in this environment and they're also right in the prime of their careers pushing this stuff through in courts and you have judges who grew up in an age where they kind of are familiar with the early stuff so this doesn't sound so bad because that was child's rights right and it's like yeah. then they were out of school when all of the radical stuff happened so now when they hear it they were they were oh i get what you're going at yeah we're on the right side of history here and it's like yeah. this weird again um <laughs> it's hard to say 
that the car, like you in is like a vehicle, you know? So it's hard to say that the car is responsible for what the driver is doing. Mm -hmm. um, and the drivers right now don't even know what they're driving or where they're going or what their car runs on. They're just convinced that they're in the, in a vehicle ch for change, for positive change. And just whatever direction that vehicle is going in is the right direction. So people, you know, in the academic circles that revolve around there and the institutions, they really respect these organizations and these vehicles for change. And California is just one of those states that's just always going to be at the forefront of those vehicles for change. And it's it's yeah. like they, they, they're doing this weird thing with the, the, the cars where like they're going to start phasing out cars in California that are non-electric and stuff like that. And it's I don't know, man, it's. I know where it's going and it's nowhere good. I'm not excited about the 15 minute cities and I'm not excited about what's happening. And I think I'm starting to get anxious because we're, we're coming up at the end of a very long-term plan. That's not working the way they wanted it to. Okay. You think they'll get upset? I think, I think what, what I'm seeing and I could just be convincing myself of this. So, you yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm open to being wrong, but from what I'm seeing, it seems like we're already in the um, the mid stages of a uh, basically like a re-implementation of rationing systems. Um, not it's dressed up differently, you know, the same way like uh, and, you know, when, and then Trudeau just came out with that a little bit. He's going to put pressure on the uh, uh, grocery stores to lower prices, which is basically kind of just a refangled. I mean, he's responsible for all the inflation, and now he's going to force yeah. the but he's and they're going to go out of business, so the state will dairy buy them. To, so basically, to, bump, to dump excess milk, yeah, and they, you know, because they're nationalized, they do. Like this is a global thing. This isn't like a. It doesn't matter what your political party is. This is a complete um, shut off of, of. Uh, I guess, the world as if we know it, is not a livable world to these people. So okay. they're just they're going to change it, and that's where, like I said, that's. I think understanding is going to help people a lot. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of people for kind of connecting the dots because I've been talking about this stuff for a few years now. And, you know, I was w way more crazy sounding two years ago than I am today. Now it kind of, people are like, yeah, dude, I already know about that. Like, oh, <laughs> banging this drum for how long? But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I put my foot in it by talking about a, uh, experimental, uh, mandated, uh, medical uh, intervention uh, last month um, that you're not even supposed to talk about how it works. Um, really? And you're like, well, why can't you talk about how it works? Like, and, and I wanted to know why it works because they, uh, they mandated this medical intervention behind closed doors. And then didn't tell anybody why they did it. Like up in Canada, wow. in Nova Scotia, they just like, you have to take this medical thing uh, intervention in, in order to work um, in, in, Poor Canada, man. In, in the government. Um, and so I, I spoke about that with a doctor and, and an activist kind of guy and uh and then i've got booted off of youtube you're not supposed uh, to yes, talk about yes, what yes. it's going to work so, so i don't know if that in and of itself i can't talk about it because the companies who make this uh 
experimental uh, medical intervention are funding everything uh, like ad revenue. And so YouTube has to pay the bills. And so they don't want any criticism of that. Or if this just kind of fits into the plan, like this is another arm of what we're talking about with controlling population, controlling citizenry. Well, it's a mixture of both because, you know, when you have, um, I mean, not to act like I know exactly what's happening, but from what I can tell, it's a mixture of both because these more more so than our day-to-day -day life the un sdgs or the you know um the stgs sdgs so um state the, no development. Uh, social development goals okay. so you're oh, you're yeah. like you got social and economic development goals that are playing out on a, on a it's so sinister <laughs> in every well in every single uh corporation that is participating in the programs yeah. You know, and you kind of have to participate. So if you're in education, you have to participate in these programs. There is no other way. If you're in Google is definitely like a leader in the pro and because they're an industry leader, they have to have this access and they have to. So they're all they have to play ball with wow. everything that's coming down because amazing. that's just how the structure works. It's the they even have departments at their company that are like compliance departments that write have to write annual reports on how our company is meeting the social development goals and how much progress and they and that's where the esg comes in because then they're getting scored on those progress uh, towards these goals and stuff like that and then people who aren't participating get penalized you know for for not participating and they get a bad score and that affects their financial future and what investors see and it's just yeah it's already that's what I mean about it's already there. You know, yeah. when when people are responding to it now, it's almost like reacting. It's like waking up in the middle of a vampire, draining your blood and being like, ah, now I'm going to stop it. It's like, it's too late, bro. Like they're in there. Now we got to figure out what life is like like this, you know, and I feel like that's where I'm wow. kind of trying to put my head and my energy is one, getting people on the same page and then two, trying to figure out how to develop a system in which, you know, communities are, are better connected and able to actually, you know, cause what we're mm -hmm. heading into is, uh, it's like rationing 3.0 and it's not just going to be with energy rationing, but the energy rationing is, is going to be huge. Uh, part of it. Um, the biggest part is going to be the food rationing and with the food rationing comes the compliance. Um, because like we can all argue about whether we're going to take the shot or not. Um, but what's coming next, the next phase is a, um, from what I can tell, is a, uh, there is no choice. You're either going to eat or you're not. And like with the farmers, there is no choice. You're either, you're either going to comply with the policies or we're going to, you're basically going to be out of business in two years and we're going to take your farm from you. You know, it, it's if we don't start working this out on a regional level and farming oh. communities figuring out how to get food to people and then how to how to not comply starts with building a better system than they've built okay you know they have the system in place we have to start figuring out how are we taking this to the next stage of our survival um or of maintaining our lifestyle the way we want it okay 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 this is you, you've drawn a big dire picture um but Sorry the thing is that. the world's I'm not trying still, to no, be... this is fine no it's fun it's like this is agenda 2030 it's like my board game playing out this oh, board okay. game. yeah agenda yeah there we go we're, we're just uh, fleshing it out yeah um but the world is really big 
it would yeah. be really, really hard to control. Well, I guess if you flood America with immigrants who are hyper-reliant on government funding, then it would be a little bit more difficult to... But America, just the United States of America is so big. It'd be really difficult to completely control the entire thing unless you really slowly hook people up to the thing, right? I mean, unless you've had... Um organizations uh already doing this on the private level and locking everything in and if you only had okay. like, it would be really difficult if you didn't have 10 organizations that control all the fresh water on earth or oh. you know uh like 12 companies that own the seeds and the the same seed like they only work with the when you've given, given these chemicals and you have to grow these seeds and they have the contracts with all the distribution, like if it wasn't already set up on the private level, you know, year after year and in these incremental changes, it would yeah. be impossible. Okay. But people there, we like to tell ourselves like long-term plans are too complicated for people. Like you can't even make people do what you want, you know, in a company, like how are you going to expect, yeah. but they're miss, it's like their whole they're how they're framing it is incorrect because they're picturing it like it's a bunch of marionette puppets it's not it's a system of dominoes and the system of dominoes has been set up by engineers and if yeah. a domino doesn't fall they actually have plans on how yeah. okay we missed a, we missed a domino how do we get this one into the okay uh, keep keep the trajectory yeah. going forward okay. so if if people could just think about it like dominoes i think they would understand it it's much harder to stop because the momentum is already coming in yeah. that predetermined direction. And it's less about yeah. controlling what every individual does and just more about how do you stop momentum at that force? You know, they, they, the managerial change happened in the seventies. Um, again, you know, in the early years, they thought if you, if you change the society, you'll change the individual. And then, they recalibrated in the 60s and reconfigured their next strategy uh, going into to the second decade of development as, well, if we reconfigure the person, we'll change the society. And that's what's been playing out since is they're okay. reconfiguring us. And it's just, uh, you know, you make people want to do the things you want them to do. You know, I want to eat the bugs because it's helping the earth. I want yeah. to do the things that are, you know, and that's where you, know, you talk about operant conditioning. That's all it is. It's just making you want to do the things they want you to do and then making it impossibly difficult to not do what they want you to do. Like, yeah, sure, you have a choice, but that's a really yeah. difficult choice. Yeah. Okay. So it, it sounds like, um, you know, I don't know if what the third world, first world, and non-existent second world uh, terminology, uh, if it's useful anymore. But there's got to so, be a different strategy that's being played out between the third world, Africa, and let's say the United States of America, or even uh, southern South America, right? These are different kind of societies with different. They have different goals in mind to to save Africa, or, you know, or to you know to help people in Africa goes through all these problems and stuff like that but to save the world from america or to save america from itself is a whole other different system right or is it and it's but it's all kind of linked together it's all it's all going through the same kind of systems well there are there are hundreds of different systems and agendas and motivations and things intermixed and intertwined into this um so when i'm 
giving these assessments is more as like a like a macro assessment like you know talking about the way the game board is changing rather than who the players that are how they're how they're playing their turn you know yeah, or how yeah, what yeah, their yeah. goal is in taking africa or why they want most of what's happening right now in my opinion is um resource based and i think that's how it has been for quite a while yeah um, okay and i think what we're what we're seeing ultimately you know is a lot of times because social issues get us emotionally involved and in motion once we're emotionally invested it's easier to actually acquire what you need once you have people emotionally into into your you know so the emotional buy-in is different for a lot of people but what they're actually buying into in in often cases has has a lot different a lot of levels to to its operational you know set like oh, okay we're gonna yay i support building a road across this nation that's really awesome but then when you think about who built the road and then what they're going to be and what that's going to give to them they're actually they're building the road they'll just give you the road because now they can cross and they own all of this all of the land on the sides of it and they're going to have this you get the road for free it's like hey free road you know and yeah. you don't get to see what they do with the development of that area and what yeah. they're going to do and because it's you gave them the land so that they would build the road. Now they're building the roads and they're building the the cities for the workers to live in. And they're instilling like, yeah, Africa specifically is what I'm talking about. And China is doing just crazy things in Africa yeah. with their, their, they're basically like copying what we did with the Marshall Plan, which is go in and, you know, it's, it's it, World War II is really interesting because you have all of these resource companies, you know, like steel companies and stuff, um, funding the destruction of these, the old world. And then, uh, after it's over and all the bad guys lost and the good guys won those very same steel companies, then rebuild the old world out of new products and in a new way and then huh. in, in a new light of how they wanted it to be. Yeah. So, you know, not to say it's like an etch a sketch, but that's kind of yeah. what what these kind of things get into sometimes. You know, <laughs> the same people who destroyed it are the ones who are coming to rebuild it. Yeah. And then you don't remember that they destroyed it. You just thank them for what they built. Yeah. And for saving us from the people who... Who destroyed Yeah. The people who were driving the, the tank that you yeah. sold them. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's a fascinating stuff. Well, there's another there's another level of this stuff playing out. If you look at the war in Ukraine and if you look at it as um, Russia trying to strike out towards you know, hegemony of its own um, its own place, it wants access, it wants freedom from this whole system. If you look at what's China doing and China's kind of uh, China isn't exactly on the same page as the U.S. and the U.S. China like conflict. There are all these like global conflicts. Do they kind of fold into this other story that you're telling about? Or are they kind of like uh, maybe even just a kind of a circus or a sideshow? No, um, it's there's a now as far as contemporary um, politics, I, I'm not as as uh, like I said, I don't I really don't trust most sources yeah. from pre 2000. Yeah. And then like especially on the scholarly work, like there it's like you get into this like game <sighs> of, of like telephone <sighs> where someone yeah. got it wrong and then everyone just keeps repeating the wrong thing. And I yeah. just, uh, um, but it's funny. Did you see that, that, uh, high school in uh, Canada that 
destroyed every or like just banished every book oh, yeah. that's prior to <laughs> 2008. 2008. And you're the you exact know? opposite. You don't listen to anything before anything. 2000. <laughs> exactly. I don't I don't pay any well and, and I do or, I mean, but after. whenever I do every time I say okay, I'll check it out, I get really just disappointed in what I read, you know, or I just get really just like that's not how it happened and then I can't okay. keep it's like yeah. once you've lost me, you've lost me. It's like okay. yeah, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, and I just shut your okay. book. Um, yeah. But the uh, yeah the the transition in China is super deep into the population situation. You know, like the the whole how everything's played out. That is, it's actually the forefront of everything. Um, as far as Russia goes, I'm I, I don't speak russian and i can't read so I, I really don't know anything other than what i've been told by other people so it's it's just it's really complicated to, to comment on um yeah. but i can't i i'm really familiar with the soviet union you know uh the soviet union was a big part of the plan from another side and that's where you get into like the club of rome and the oecd trading state secrets and all of this different stuff that's really intriguing, but all of the Soviet Union stuff, I can say, um, had like Soviet Union and early China, you know, back in the P Peking days, um, you have like population is at the center and then the energy reformation was already uh, in its early stages there as well. And I really think that you know, again, when I'm looking at the current situation, that's what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm still seeing the population and the energy reformation playing out just in a later stage of the game. But that yeah, could just okay. be because that's the lens I'm looking at it through. I haven't dug in deep enough to really know the... Yeah, okay. But it seems like energy transition and population control. Okay, so... I'm just trying to kind of get a feeling of what level are you talking about? We've, we've, we're talking about some deep conspiratorial things and uh, people Nothing can do their own research. at all. Okay. I'm just saying somebody like drops into this podcast. Who the heck is this Jason Bradley guy? Like sure, what, sure. what the fuck does he know? Like you've done right. a lot of research. Your videos are excellent. Absolutely freaking excellent. I had Thanks, you on man. the show before and you you just did such a good job of conveying your research that people were really pissed off because it sounded like you could be on either side because you're just presenting these documents so you've yeah. done a lot of the research so you're you're describing this thing yeah trying uh, i'm failing you're trying to describe this thing you're researching this thing it's one it's kind of it's kind of like this network of things and um if we look at united states politics electoral politics that's another thing but it kind of plays into this other thing if we look at how elon musk took over twitter is and then he put he installed a wef agent at, at the head of twitter so is elon musk saving us or is he a false flag you know because you know everybody just has a little theory like well maybe elon really does care about free speech or maybe like he's just he's taking one for the team and then like installing it better to make it everything like china like there's all these different games that are being played on all these different levels um what something that you said that's rather alarming is that 
there's no changing this. They've set this stuff up. This stuff is decades deep and all these different private organizations are doing this. People, you're already a part of this yourself. You've already been trained. You've grown up in these schools. You've grown up in this media. Every single David Attenborough show, beautiful, beautiful nature, terrible, terrible humans. Every single, every single one. So this is just in the water. There's no way to change that. There's no way to fight against it. There is a way to narrowly start to build a structure that is parallel to it that doesn't step on its toes perhaps so that it doesn't have to shut you down um i see that's where i think um the food aspect is um is the best is the best solution because you're it's only positive action there is no uh you know one one thing that i like to remind myself of sometimes um is that these people are their existence is a response to the previous power structures you know like we're in we're in a reality but it's hard for us to understand what was the what the reality was before that you know like before the un all the world knew was war just constant war and just devastating war after war after war and now they see a pathway to peace by controlling birth because if they can control birth, you don't have any need for resource wars and you don't need. So they solve this whole problem that, has, you know, um, and there's a, authoritarians on each side of the problem. And the weirdest thing about it is you have like this this left authoritarianism that's grown out of people that were really just trying to stop war and trying to make sure people could be fed and trying to fight the corruption of government. And just over time, it's just developed into, a, you know, the more authority focused people um, and just how things progress took over. Uh, the, the hardest part is, is any oppositional force to this risks becoming the same authoritarian structure that they're fighting against. And then what are you, if you're at the antithesis of, of uh, peace, you know? So what, are we going to go get back into the war authoritarian age? Well, you know, are we going to get back know. into the, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's a, it's a yeah, challenging yeah. thing. So my thought process is positive action. You know, again, if you can't uproot the UN or just get rid of the UN without all these people starving, well, you, if you had your own food networks and your own incentives and your own ideas and you're doing this, then what happens is, is when people get in, um, get in your way or try to stop you, now they have to explain, why are you trying to stop me from feeding these people? Why are you like, this is what, this is what our goal is. I'm not here to say that you're wrong or anything. I'm here to feed these people. Why can't I do that? Because of your rules. If your rules are stopping me from feeding these people, should we not feed the people or change your rules? And that's the, that's the moral leverage that they've been able to have over these generations. And I think if we reclaim that lever that we can actually start switching the leverage back in the other direction, because one thing that especially like you know, we have out here in America is plenty of land. You know, yeah. if we re if we reinvested in agricultural settings, you know, one of the reasons they pushed everyone into cities is because they could control their education in the cities and they thought they could control them. And then also the environment of the city would naturally make them want to have less kids. And they're very explicit about this stuff. So that's where I always like get, um, huh. I don't 
I don't like the term conspiracy at all with this stuff because it's all so explicit. Like they, and then they say like, it, <laughs> right? Document effort, yeah. document effort, and I've got it all highlighted, and I'll show anybody that wants to see it. So, um, <laughs> and it's just one of these things. Like, if we can, if we can get into the game instead of commenting on it all the time. Yeah. Okay. You know, everyone is trying. It's, it feels like everyone's default mode right now is building a following, but no one's going anywhere. So where are you going to lead your following? You know, it's just building a following is what you're well, that's doing. That's a good and one, then Jason Bradley. Well, thank you. But it's just like, it's like, it's how I feel. It's like, I, I yeah. see it. And it's like, that's why I'm, my, my first mode of business is to have my plan in place and to have what I want to do and to have, and then try to get people interested in what I think so that I can offer that to them. You know, if they want to ask, then my opinion actually matters. Otherwise, I'm just throwing my opinion away. And I, I have yeah. no interest in building a following or doing any of that stuff because that just turns you into a tap dancer and you just kind of become like this. Uh, that's where all this outrage stuff starts coming from. And then when you're all commenting and like you didn't wake up today thinking about what a guy, a politician in Wyoming did. But now you're on Twitter and you've argued about it for three hours. Like, why are you letting yeah. this stuff interrupt your thoughts? Like we have way too much important shit to do to just keep cultivating the same culture war over and over again every day because we like the drama of it or or because it's the only way we can feel involved. You know, we really have to start prepping for it. We need to be in squirrel mode right now. We need to start shoring up ourselves. We need to start working on a community basis right now. We okay. need to start knowing our neighbors and we need to start really having having plans in place and, you know, Instead of trying to just push back against what this is, start figuring out what you are and what you want to be and start doing that and then let them react to you. And, and, and again, if your actions are on the right side of things, let them try to explain why they're keeping you from doing what you're trying to do. So get a couple of chickens. That's what you said. Very... <laughs> subtly collect rainwater you can't collect rainwater are you serious Why you can't not? collect uh you know water purification systems should be a a, a um more of a more of a focus uh, i think water purification being reliant on your city for water is a really bad idea really bad idea um uh there's there's a lot of things that are going to go wrong uh in the upcoming uh years and i'm not trying to be like a doomsayer or anything like that i just again you just see how you see how the dominoes are falling and you see what's in place of the dominoes and you see how they're falling in other places and the patterns that they've taken. And it just, you know, you connect the dots down the line where you're standing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think more, more than anything, we need to, um, if we could try to refocus our leadership on being leaders and uh, not uh, champions of our side, just being leaders, just leading people. Um, as opposed to constantly like taking the side of a culture warrior and trying to fight it off. Yeah. Um, there are like counter organizations right now that are forming that could do a lot of good if they focus their attention in the right direction. Um, but you know, the chances of that happening are, are, are terribly remote until people better understand what's happening. Okay, so but so but there there is a right direction so far as you see, and one is uh, regional food and water independence. One hundred percent. That needs to be. 
if you don't want to comply with the next shot, you need to have a meal plan, buddy. Because, you know, with the ration line, it doesn't matter. Like, and when you have, you know, seven kids and all these really strong men with 10 kids and all this stuff that they're all saying, you won't get me to take a shot. It's like, well, wait till those kids are hungry. You know, it's, it's going to be tough not to comply in the world they're, they are building. And, um, you know, we already see things playing out with like, uh, like the indulgences and like how they, you know, the, the carbon credit system yeah. where they've kind of, you know, first they replaced the church because they thought their system was, you know, too restrictive and authoritarian. And, and now they've replaced it with their own religion and their own dogma and their own, they've replaced the entire church system with this thing. So it's going to be hard because a lot of the support isn't going to come from people who can afford the indulgences. And, uh, you know, I try to say it, or I've said it before, like, you sh- everyone should get in the habit of making a list of like 10 things they would need on a desert island, like just a fun hypothetical, like what would you bring? And then if you have enough money, go buy those things. You know, that's a good self-sufficiency habit. Um, not, not being alarmed is a good like self-sufficiency thing. Don't be alarmed, be prepared. You know, okay. just try to be self-sufficient okay. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm saying all of that, of course, um, in the middle of a, uh, you know, com- I feel a little bit hypocritical because I don't live on a farm. I, I don't even have a backyard. I, I live in a place where I get all of my water from the- everything I'm doing is exactly the opposite of what I'm advising <laughs> you to do. So don't feel bad or think that I'm like sitting on my reserve somewhere. I'm, yeah. I'm just counting on not outliving this thing anyway and just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, go as, as, you know, head first at the enemy as I can. Yeah. You said uh, at the beginning that this week there were some mind blowing revelations. Is there, could you throw us a cool tidbit or two? Something that you've It's all nerd on? stuff. It's like super oh, yeah, nerd fun. stuff. That's fun. That's yeah, why well, I had you back like on because you're a total okay. nerd. You're total just. I am a nerd. Um, well, you know, I just, uh, I've, I've read through a bunch of um, old newspaper articles I, and uh, heard some different opinions from some people who I thought I knew uh, differently. So like uh, Frank Nodstein is a topic of my next documentary uh, like or whatever you call it in my next episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's like a super deep dive into population. It's I'm really trying my best here. Um, but I, I had known him mostly from his work post 1945 and like that's where he he's actually the guy who coined the term uh or didn't coin the term but popularized the term and then re reframed the term demographic transition theory into a uh an evolutionary theory of how societies evolve so like you said like first world second world third world yeah. those terms come from the soviet cold war era so like uh they're not really as applicable um in like the UN, what they usually use is like, um, industrialized and developed. Oh, overdeveloped. Over, or, um, not over, I'm sorry, underdeveloped, populated, you know, uh, type it's like they have a scale of like, you start off as like overpopulation, basically according to Notstein is the cause of the underdevelopment. So there was like a whole thing. Like he, he started the rise of the developmental era. 
So if we can lift these people out of poverty and if we can modernize their societies, they're going to balance themselves out. But he he was one of the first people to just bear down and say, like, no, it's absolutely necessary that family planning comes into it. Like, you have to do that, because before that, they were still trying to, like, placate the socialists and the different they were trying to get everybody on board. And as you know, like anytime you get a bunch of different experts in a room, there's going to be a lot of disagreements. And so they were kind of pitching this this different theory. And then I read back some of his previous stuff uh, from like 1930s and when he was still like researching at the Millbank Fund and like getting to know him earlier. And I got to see how his thoughts developed in this way. And he, he actually at first didn't think that birth control was necessary, that like or like that uh, top down birth control was necessary. He thought that it would rise bottom up as people wanted more freedom and to live in the luxury of, but that wasn't how it actually played out. So I kind of, it made me respect him on a different level because anytime someone changes their mind because they realize they're wrong, it shows me a side of them that I respect. And so I just got this whole new side of Notstein to where I got to see like he was a young idealist and he was this guy who was doing, and then he implemented, after a decade, the data came in, you know, his whole argument was we don't have any evidence uh-huh. that population control is necessary to do this stuff. Population, any population before the era of population control balanced itself naturally. What are we to say that this now it's all of a sudden necessary because we invented it, you know? And then after, after actually going through the motions, he's like, okay, yeah, no, we need to teach, the, uh, teach these people to stop, uh, stop having kids. <laughs> He's like, otherwise, it's just, it's going gangbusters out here, guys. And wow. I caught him at the gangbusters phase, and I thought, geez, what a piece of shit. And then, you know, you work back, yeah. and you see he's actually just a guy who found out he was wrong and changed his mind. I don't know. Maybe he was still wrong when he died, but I at least respect the process of people who change. Same thing with Julian Huxley. You know, a lot of people, he's like a, a main character that I focus on. Yeah. And a lot of people are like... They don't like that I'm as positive towards Julian Huxley as I am. They want me to be more on like the like, and then he did this, you know, narrative style. But uh, he changed his mind so often. And I just find that so respectable that like when the information changed, he changed. And I just find that like, (laughs) thank you. Like that's so rare in the world that I just, I don't know. It just makes me appreciate him. And so when he is wrong... It makes me more forgiving and just more appreciative of okay, yeah, his other work. I don't know. Yeah, you can kind of see things through his position at that time a little bit better, and then trust him Definitely. a little bit more because you know that he's gonna try to keep up with reality as best as he is able to. Yeah, as the information changed, so did his opinion. You know, that's something I tried to stick with, and that's why I'm also try. I try my hardest not to take a fixed opinion. Yeah, and it's just it's like if you have a fixed opinion. It's really hard to shake yourself out of that. Okay. And like, you know, take like a guy but, like Julian Huxley. He was all in on the racial hygiene stuff. And then he ended up being the guy who wrote the UNESCO letter on race, you know, that ended racism and started scientific racism and started the civil rights movement. I mean, okay. this is like, that's, that's a hell of a transition in 25 years. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a fixed position, but you have a pretty strong position about self-determination and 
you see the the game field itself you seems like you have a pretty solid lock on that this thing is tilting in a certain it's moving in a direction it's moving in a direction of uh, for lack of a better word complete and total control of the human being with uh, limited or um a manipulated forms control. of autonomy that are gifted to the in individual probably right. through very virtualistic means mm. um very very like low impact means like you can choose to dress this way or that way here's your pronouns um now take the shot um yeah, coke or pepsi which one you want you yeah know, that's your choice okay. yeah yeah okay um would you do you foresee that you stumbling upon some evidence that um would change your mind on that i think that i figured out how they won and that's all i'm trying to reverse engineer yeah. And then also through watching how they won and watching the mechanisms and watching their failures, trying to learn from those failures and how I can readjust and how, again, it's one of those things like it's hard to be a good critic if you can't do anything yourself, you know, and you're trying to criticize people who like, that's another thing that bothers me. It's like, people want me to be a harsh critic of these people. And it's like, I am not nowhere near their match. You know, a lot of these people accomplished way more than me, are way, just miles beyond me, speak six languages, traveled the world back when world travel was difficult and lived it, like actually lived life. Meanwhile, yeah. I've watched a million movies and that's my interpretation of life. You know, yeah. like that's how I yeah. know life. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I, I think about things differently on that level. But what I see is they won the game using a very specific lever and we would be fools to try to use that same level or lever the same way they used it. And again, I think the failing was that they tried to get leverage on it from the top down. And I think we need to just build more of a system of, um, distributed managerial blocks. networks. Yeah. You know, if you're going to lift a car, you can, you can get a big rock and you can put a, you know, and you can lift the car or you can, you know, slowly, establish you know build it up from the ground up and then much it's yeah. much more stable that way too you know you're not reliant on top-down pressure all the time to keep the car yeah. lifted it's it's been you know the ground sure has raised up. sure up. yeah so i think i think the decentralized um network is what kind of will help be the x factor in a you know 2.0 version of what's not working um in the vehicle as it exists but i'm also like i'm now a, i'm not of the opinion that um we should just completely uproot and abandon um the un i think we should um reanalyze it from like a monopolistic perspective like a company mm -hmm. that is yeah. has a monopoly and then break it up and which organs are actually ne necessary keep those and get rid of the ones that aren't get them out of you know, stop trying to dissolve nationalism and stop trying to emerge this internationalist policies. You know, th yeah. those are the things that I'm rigid on. Um, but yeah, I could very well be wrong. It's just the solution I've come to when I've, I took it apart and tried to rebuild it to see how I could make it work better. Yeah. And in the intervening years, like you said earlier on, two years ago, you would have sound like a complete kook. I did. But more Nobody and more people are like... I, I, duh, like if we look at what happened in Canada, look at what happened is happening in California. Look what happened in 2020, both with the, uh, 
the response to a particular virus and a massive amount of uh, stochastic terrorism by uh, enabling certain rioters and, and disenabling other rioters, you know, to, to completely keep the population hammered with instability, just hammered with instability. And then the entrenchment of a bunch of like very well-meaning sounding what like Re inflation reduction act that is now planting oh. 75 million dollars worth of trees in brooklyn you know like that amazing like what what reducing inflation leads to yeah i i love that there what was that the infrastructure act that they did was it like a trillion dollar infrastructure act and then all of those bridges collapsed like the next year <laughs> it was like well you gotta love a success story you know I just, well i mean if they don't collapse how, was, how do you know what to rebuild right so the money's you know, you're already earmarked right yeah but i mean uh, uh what is it ipads are infrastructure or whatever like there was the whole meme going around where everything was infrastructure <laughs> yeah, except yeah, for infrastructure yeah, yeah and yeah then the bridges actually start collapsing and the funniest thing too is like when you roll it back like a few years, like I'm, I'm not a pol political person. I, I voted one time in my entire life and I, I regret it. Um, <laughs> never going to do it again. But the uh, Trump guy was talking about that. I want to say like 2016 or 17 or something, if I remember correctly. He was like, I just did a tour of the country and the bridges are falling apart. This whole place is falling apart. We need to do. But he never like introduced any public works act or anything to actually like revitalize it. And it's funny because everybody at the time was like, no, that's not happening. This guy's just full of it. And then, yeah, then they actually pass an infrastructure act and it, everything collapsed. I, politics are a waste of time in my opinion. <laughs> I, I don't, I can't, I can't with that stuff huh. only for amusement. Only, I yeah. can't really get emotionally yeah. involved. Otherwise, yeah. it would just ruin yeah. my whole day every day. Well, speaking about emotional involvement, um, what what else is on? What, what's something that brings you joy uh, the, over the past summer? What, what What's some high points of your year since we last spoke? Working on my project's been really great. Like, yeah. well, I wait, hold like... on. I was trying to say something else, but your project's about doom and gloom and the end of like freedom as we know. It. But fine, you're totally capable because you you do excellent work. So I'm really glad that you're happy in your work. You know, so <laughs> Thank you. I'm really happy for that. I yeah I um I'm you know this is what I do because I want to do it because um, yeah. I need to do it too. But yeah. it's I'm now that I'm getting to the end, I think the stress isn't there as much. Oh. Like for, for such a long time, I think I've also come to a different rationality on not being listened to. Like it used to drive me crazy. No one's, yeah. no one's going to watch me. No one's listening to me. I feel like nobody actually knows what they're talking about, but everyone's got an opinion about it. And, you know, I just, it, it was, it was causing a lot of frustration. And I think a few months ago, I just kind of got over this point of caring whether anyone sees it. Or, or I'm not going to change the world with this. Like I'm not. And then I'm also now I feel like, like I said, I'm still learning more every week. And the more I dig into the stuff, the more layers that are there. And I really enjoy that side of my work. Like I really enjoy researching because it's sometimes you get into some really hard stuff like that affects you emotionally. Yeah. Um, but now that I can see the end of it, I'm just so it's like, I'm, I'm gaining on it. I'm gaining on the finish line. And that feeling has stick, just been with me for a couple months. Maybe it's just some weird manic episode that I'm in or something where I'm huh. just really enjoying what I'm doing. But like every yeah. day I wake up excited to do what I'm doing. And Good. then I go to sleep thinking about what I'm going to do oh, tomorrow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of where I'm at. 
Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a, a life though. So like, it's hard to say like joy. <laughs> I, I'm an obsessive person. So um, having a healthy thing to obsess about has always uh, been, you know, whether that's exercise or whether that's what, wh whatever it used to be exercise, but now my body can't really hang with, with that. Um, and, you know, with the reading and with the work, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's just as engaging. I don't what know. about like, it's like a, gourmand is your, uh, do you have dietary issues or do you get to like experience some cuisine? Yeah. I mean, I don't go out very much anymore just because do you cook my for the lady or does the lady cook for, for no i'm married to a vegan so we don't eat the oh, same foods um okay, okay. yeah i, I usually like I, I i've been like on a big steak kick lately like i started like knocking out perfect steaks but i got i cook them outside so it doesn't stink the house up or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Huh. but yeah that's been that that was been bringing me a little bit of joy um hmm. uh yeah i don't know man i'm actually really i'm a homebody I, I live in paradise. So every time I go outside, it's like 70 degrees and there's birds yeah. yelling at me and yeah. I, I just live a good life. And then, uh, like I said, if, you know, a lot of people like travel and stuff like that, that's all just stressed for me. You know, it's, I'm a really good planner, but that's really yeah. like, yeah. once I get there, I just kind of miss my couch. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, this is a really nice beach, but <laughs> kind of excited to get home, get back to work a little bit. I don't know why I'm like that, but that's who I am. What's your production schedule for the next month or two? Um, wake up, edit, go to sleep, dream about editing, wake up and edit till it's finished. Yeah. I mean, and like, I, oh, so you don't know when it's going to be finished. You don't have No, to, yeah, I'm, I'm between okay. work projects right now. So I, all I'm doing is just all in on this thing and just trying yeah. to cover as much ground as I can. And I'm making a lot of headway, but um, I had to do a really massive rewrite because I thought I, I actually had to, like basically remake the whole thing because the first beginning that I had didn't, I thought I landed a hook that did not land. And I tried it on my first test audience. And uh -huh. it's one of those things where everything that's being said is like mind blowing, but only if you know what's going to be said later. So okay. on a second watch, it would be really, what a hook. Okay. <laughs> the first yeah. watch you have no idea what i'm what's how significant what's happening right here is in this so i had to restructure my whole narrative and just kind of i'm trying to come at it with a different angle and this has been really fun and it's just good to get it all out like and and i feel like once i've written it it's like i can check that part off my list and like that's just been really fun man just yeah. barreling down i'm hoping by the end of october it's done but I, I keep, the more I keep writing, the more I'm going to have to animate. So yeah. <laughs> who knows? Soon. Hopefully. Soon. Soon. Trademarked. How about you? What are you uh, working on next? I, I've been, I watched a couple of your podcasts uh, with the lady. Very interesting. Cool oh, yeah. stuff. You guys are yeah. in, and seen a couple yeah. of your other podcasts lately, but are you, do you work on any other um like, I really liked your documentary work. Are you working on any, like, long, bigger projects like that? <laughs> that's a really good question, and now you're putting me on the spot, so I'm oh, going to have sorry. to answer. No, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I, I've, I've been checking in, you know, every, every six months I kind of do a check-in, and like, well, like, where do, where do I go, where do I go, where do I go? I've been doing pretty much the same thing for a couple years now, which is just interviewing a ton of people about a lot of different topics so that the audience can, like, kind of say, do I want to go down this rabbit hole, or do I want to, like, 
Like right. I'm just developing connections and developing the lay of the land on a social level. I don't really have any specific project. My so-called lady um, says you should be a coach. You should be a counselor. You should be a coach. You'd be a really good coach. You'd be a really good coach. You'd be a really good counselor. I'm like, well, you know, maybe in five years. She's like, well, why not do it now? I'm like, well, I probably could. I wouldn't want to advertise it, you know, like, but having like, right. uh, you know, for like maybe like detransitioners or parent, like doing, doing something for parents, you know, just like hosting a, a panel for parents to talk, you know, like some sort of meeting group like that. Um, because That'd that, be that really kind cool. of work, I'm already kind of doing that work and that would be a, yeah. a way to, if I did it correctly and it was up to spec, I could, I could, that could be a, uh, you know, a monetization model, um, that is already utilizing my skills, but has a little bit more depth to it than kind of doing the media thing. Cause if it's just one-on-one, -on -one, I'm doing the same thing, but like, I'm not doing it for an audience. I'd be doing so it. So kind for, of like, like, like you did, uh, for the, um, conference not too long ago where you were kind of like hosted a panel and you were able to like have the audience there and engage in the conversation and also share some ideas or more of a personalized. Well, it would like, I don't know. Like I, I see what's going on in the space and I see that, um, counseling and psychotherapy has been is taken a really big hit by this whole woke thing yeah. um and it's become very corrupted and um so there are a lot of people who want a non-ideological support and somebody yeah. just to talk to and and help them develop their story of their life you know and that's what i studied in school is narrative you know as a functioning aspect of how human beings deal with time and deal with each other it's through narrative um so helping people develop their own stories or like just talk about their life and, and figure out where those hooks are you know um maybe with, with in the case of detransitioners um who've gone through like a you know believing in one thing and finding the end of that and then having to like come back to themselves and then like try to figure out how to go forward in the world um and with a you know kind of rediscover themselves you know i've gone through that plot arc over and over and over again so I just, I could see that I could take my skills in another direction and jump out of being a public persona with these set of skills. I could do it on the side, kind of under, underground. And um, that would be, that, I don't know, you, you asked, that's a possibility oh, that's, of where I could go. That's really um, cool too, because you're actually, you know, anytime you can put your energy into a positive direction that helps other people, I think yeah. that's where real happiness is, is like yeah. helping others. And yeah, I, man, absolutely. that would be... Yeah. Because, like, my first thought was, like, oh, are you doing, like, a big, like, a long documentary on how the gender stuff happened or investigative work? But I think yeah. this is much more effective than any kind of documentary would be because you're, you're, you're helping other people tell their stories and getting this stuff out. And then also just that process is very healing. And, man, that would be cool. I mean, I, I support anything you do. And I, I'm just glad to have your energy in the world. But that's, I, I don't know. I don't, that sounds like a cool idea. That doesn't sound... Yeah weird or yeah and hopefully that's monetizable too i feel like there's going to be the more they keep shutting down this discussion space uh community conventions and and like discussions and like like actual spaces to come together and talk about this stuff are going to commodify themselves yeah and be necessary yeah 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 it's weird um yeah thinking in terms of monetization i i just kind of let it happen. I don't do a lot with, uh, you know, subscribe star or Patreon. Um, 
Right. Like I don't do special content. You can donate if you want. It's like just a tip jar. I just I don't I, I don't yeah, know. I, maybe I need to grow. You. I'm not going to give you. What yeah, you maybe. Want. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like be like there's this thing called locals, which you would actually okay. be pretty good with that. Um, or even like, do you have a Substack? I'm sorry, I should know no, that. No, you know, now. I I because where I, do you put all the show I'm notes? Because there's writer. such a huge. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I, it's like I try. I just don't come across well in writing, okay. and then I'm just. Uh, I don't know. You don't have show notes because like your 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 work is so incredibly detailed. I'm sure people would definitely st- like you know tip you to see. I have like, a lot of stuff notes. that I would love to share and that I'd love to spend more time on. Like, but it's hard because it all requires so much presentation yeah. for it to to be interesting at all. You know, uh, and that's the hardest thing is making something that people are so bored listening to. Like my, my wife, anytime I try to tell my wife, her eyes could not roll farther back in her. Say the word Malthus and that's it. Like she's out. She's like, whatever, dude. Uh, yeah. And that's everybody. every time so, my lady mentions vaccines, I, I get like, I'm like wow, oh, I don't know. Gloss over it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, and yeah, I've actually like monetization is something I should think about on just like a financial security level. Yeah. Um, but I also, I've been very resistant to monetize my project in any way because I feel like that's, that, that sullies it in a way. And then I haven't needed to monetize it and I'm almost at the end. So I kind of just want to finish. And then maybe, maybe if people want to like, I don't know, it's hard because I also don't want to take anything from people. Like I just, I don't want anything from anybody. I, I want to give you something. And it's yeah. so hard. Like it's like huh. a, giving someone a really good gift. And then yeah. they immediately like, well, here, have this thing. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's almost like they feel like they have to pay you for the thing you <laughs> gave them instead of just, I don't know. Yeah, I struggle with hmm. monetization too because I feel like a, a salesman. And I I never want to feel yeah. like, I, I just don't like sales. I like service. I like okay. I feel good being of service. I don't get a lot out of, like, I don't know. Yeah, monetization is difficult with art, man. I hear you. Is Spotify working out better for you? You said that that was uh, your preferred uh, way for people to check out your stuff. So I switched over completely to Spotify. Yeah, Spotify is actually really good. The only problem with Spotify is that it doesn't have the community aspects that YouTube. YouTube's king of community. Like you have yeah. your comments and, and, you know, and just even in this episode that we just did now... Like I brought up the response that people had to you, yeah. um, which is like this really mixed response. I thought it was really interesting to like try to try to nail you down a little bit, give you a little bit more opportunity to kind of sure. like, you know, kind of draw a line in the sand or to explicitly say why the line that you draw in the sand is drawn in the particular way, or it's a dotted line. And there's a very particular reason for that. And I think it actually yeah. serves your work rather than be a faint or a slight or some sort of defensive right. aspect of it. Yeah. It's definitely not a faint, uh, and yeah, though the some people were super vicious in the comments, but they were there was also really <laughs> nice people. Uh, I, I, well, people uh, don't want their population controlled, Jason Bradley. Yeah, yeah. It's there's like I said, good good points on both sides, and I just yeah. you know I I think there's bad points on both sides too. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to hard to be the guy in the middle, but I didn't. It's not. I don't know. I, it's not like I'm choosing to be in the middle. I just. Yeah. Well. What do you think? Can I put your feet to the coals a little bit? Um, sure. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, you know, I'll just give you some scenarios that I deal with that uh, that, okay. that make it hard for me to pick a side. Yeah. So, um, abortion. Uh, to- total do away with it, or with restrictions, or 
total liberalization. Those are kind of like the three paths. Which path do you choose? Yeah. Well, um, if I was if I was in the position of authority, um, I would disincentivize it um, because I think it's a. I think that the moral the moral weight of devaluing life bites society in the butt. Um, and, and I know that there's trade-offs with, um, I, I don't totally buy the liberal point of view where bodily autonomy doesn't really make sense because that whole project is missing out that nobody's really, nobody's body is autonomous, that you came from a mother who bore you and you will die in the arms of whoever is left to love you. Like the, you know, this whole independent rational agent is a very small slice of life. I mean, it's, it's the biggest slice of your life, but it's, it, it's, it comes bookended with, uh, reliance. Um, so, uh, once we start to play too hard into the individual autonomy thing, then it, uh, sets up ourselves to where we are now, uh, which is, uh, complete atomization, um, of the individual from any sort of concern and then a complete, um, just disconnect from, from actual connection, uh, spiritual connection, um, communal connection, because we're not reliant because we want to, we want to cheat. So it's really hard. I mean, I, I, I really am. I grew up in California, even though I was a Christian the whole time and kind of right right leaning. I'm very, you know, very liberal in, in disposition. I just, I worry about the further we go away from the Christian morality, liberalism itself kind of gets more and more of like, eh, I don't think we should be going any further down that road. So right. and, abortion and was, is part of the thing. It was hard for the abortion rights people to push the bodily autonomy argument in the beginning because they also had the bodily autonomy to not have sex. You know, it was like, oh, you, so you made a choice. Yeah, now yeah. you're like, so you had the autonomy to make the wrong choice. And now you want the autonomy to erase the wrong choice that you made was kind of like the... Yeah. the the hairy spot they were more in favor of you know abstinence before birth control and then birth control before abortion 100 percent of the time and yeah. now we're kind of in this space to where abortion is looked at as a form of birth control which is just yeah. completely <laughs> antithetical to what all of the people who fought for the rights said that it would be it was supposed yeah. to be an alternative or, or the birth control was an alternative to the abortions which have always been kind of necessary at certain points yeah um yeah. And I, I, what would be like a way to di- di- disincentivize um, without restricting, or are you are you in favor of restriction? I, I don't think I do not think it's good. I do not think I mean, and this is maybe my Judeo Christian roots. You know, like sacrificing children is just yeah, killing babies is pretty hardcore. Killing stuff, babies dude. is yeah. is wrong, and you don't have society. God, God does not look kindly on any society that does that. So we can play word games and this is the whole thing with like, you know, and I know that a lot of women, well, I know that a certain portion of the audience are going to have to drop out now or leave me a pretty strong uh, comment to the, to the extent that that look at two men talking about like this woman's rights issue. But um, once we start to take, okay, it's no longer killing babies. It's terminating a pregnancy. Like the, 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 the yeah. change between that and we don't even know what a woman is. I don't see like the, once you start playing around with the language around birth, then why does sex even matter? Why do we even care about sex if we're not going to protect 
the the fundamental reality of sex and promote that. Yeah. So how I would do that would to through education or or through cultural artifacts, um, you know, model good relationships, model loving families and media, model like uh, the uh, prioritize heterosexual uh, heteronormative. Just kind of like a return to pronatalist education, pro-natalist, as yeah. opposed to babies yeah. are beautiful. Uh, babies, uh, women can find tremendous amounts of meaning in child uh, in in children, and men can find, and it's got to be both men need to be convinced that there's a tremendous, there's much more value added to their life through um, dedicating themselves to one woman, to protecting and providing for her and becoming a father than to play the field or to, the other, the other option is to play the field or to, to, to need a bunch of porn because the, the, the playing field is, is populated by players and you can't compete with them. So you just have porn. Um, and I don't think men are, you know, to convince men that porn and playing is not, um, advantageous to them. It's not a good thing. Right. That, that, yeah. Yeah. The society, like what's important in the society, society has changed so much. Um, just to, on your point about the, when it stopped being a life and started just being an ending the pregnancy, uh, that is an important shift in consciousness. And just from a historical perspective, uh, the early birth control advocates and the, you know, the Planned Parenthood and all of that stuff, all of their foundational documents completely acknowledge that uh, abortion is ending a life after it's already begun. And again, that's why they were trying to, it's almost like a cup game, you know? They, huh. they sold birth control to a pronatalist nation that was completely anti-birth control yeah, this is, just a, this is the antithesis of a strong nation. Why are we controlling the birth? And if we do birth control, then only the intelligent people will use birth control and the dummies will outbreed us. So what are we doing yeah. here? You know, yeah. it's like this whole weird uh, <laughs> thing that happened where then they convinced everybody like, no, it's OK, get the birth. And then once they got the birth control through and then enough time passed into the next generations, then all of a sudden now abortion becomes birth control. And that was where the whole population control aspect where they just started just wiping lots of people off. And and yeah, you're you're right about the the human sacrifice aspect that that kind of stuff just blows my mind. Um, I mean, it, only transgenderism could only arise in the in the as drastically as it has been in a society that had already backed away from the importance of, of, uh, of procreation, of procreation as a sacred thing. It's no longer a sacred thing. It's, a, it's just a consequence of this thing called sex. And, right. and sex is just this physical thing that's pleasurable and that you get to do whatever you just be you. Yeah, um, the sexual revolution has some crazy side effects, man. Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's a complicated yeah. issue. I, I, that said, I've also, you know, heard of a lot of abortion stories where it's, you know, the baby wasn't going to make it or there, you know, there's the eugenic argument too. like, should you even know? Like, yeah. because if yeah. you're making the choice, you know, like all my kids got, I think in your last podcast, there was a, the last one you posted, there was a situation like that. But yeah, yeah, there's those moral dilemmas and there's also, you know, the problem with like rapes and and things like that that get it's just yeah. it's 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 one of those issues. It's really tough to be all in on either side because there yeah. is there are there are situation by situation yeah. 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 instances that arise. And so life really is messy. Difficult. Life is really really messy. I'm just saying on the societal level, it's not it, once the society embraces um child sacrifice, it's done. 
You're yeah. done. There's, there's no, you, you've, you, you the, everything else will crumble. There's no more meaning. I mean, you don't even, the whole gar, the whole like thing, like atheists can't like make values because there's nothing to pin their values on, but at least they have child, children, child rearing. Like there's like, there's just like, once you violate nature and it doesn't even matter if you already like got, got out of it. Like there's no tie to anything transcendent other than your own will, other than just pure will. And then, and then you're purely manipulated and that's what, you know, uh, what, uh, Schwab's people say, you know, they, they, they treat everybody like there's these machines that can just be programmed, you know, like there's, well, there's nothing. But... And in his defense, Peterson's doing the same thing on the other side. You know, it's so funny to me, the, 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 the um, similarities between yeah. the two. Yeah. Like, oh, like, so... uh, well, like, so like Schwab's got like stakeholder capitalism, right? And Jordan Peterson is doing the Alliance for Reliable Citizenship or, or Responsible Citizenship. So you can either be a stakeholder in the company and want what's best for your society as a citizen that way, or you can be a responsible citizen. And in and, and, and both yeah. cases, what's best is what they say. And it's funny, they're actually telling people to do the same thing for the same reasons. Which is what? Oh, well, like... Uh, in, in a very recent thing that I, I heard him talking about, uh, Peterson, that is, um, he was explaining how um, he's just going to, you know, in poverty. And, and why can't people see that if we just in poverty? And he was kind of trying to explain um, demographic transition theory, but he had some things a little bit backwards and didn't really understand that in order for this de in, in order for this transitional change to happen, like you think it's going to happen, buddy, uh Look at the, you know, look at how it's happened. Like they have to install these birth controls and these anti-human programs that you're at the roots of your organization. You're saying you're against. So it's like, it's funny, like uh, he's got like Bjorn Lomborg is like his environmental advisor guy. Like, yeah. yeah, he's got his finger on the pulse and he's like on the top of his list of impactful environmental efforts is contraception investment like investment in basically family planning. It's like they're doing the same thing. They're both trying to eradicate poverty. They, it's like he's he's building a mirror image of the very thing he's against, but yeah. he's doing it from level one, trying to take on someone who's at a level 100. And it's just, to me, it's, it's almost comical to see it. It's comical and sad, and I just wish... I could help him. Like, I wish I could write him a letter or something yeah. and just kind of like... You said that last podcast. You really want to okay. be on his board of directors. You really want to be on his... No, I, he's, he just one trustee. of the only leaders that's actually doing something. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least he's so got an that. idea. Yeah. yeah. And I, I respect anyone who's doing something they believe okay. in, but I'm yeah. still a pretty harsh critic of what he believes in because he. I don't think he's really fleshed... I think even in his... He said... I think he was... Ex, he, he stated in his like three minutes before misexplaining uh, the food crisis and uh, demographic transition theory and just, you know, where he just had his wires crossed. And it's easy to do. You get a lot of bad information and people who just have a surface level explanation pose as an expert. And now you think, you know, but you're talking out of your ass a little bit. But um, he said, we want to avoid being naive was one of the first things. And that is the first word I would choose to describe him. So like in his foundation of the ARC, which is what they're calling it, uh, the um, Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, um, it entails not being naive. And not being naive, I guess, means not really knowing what, 
what your advisors think and then what like the process that these people had to go through to get to where they think today. You yeah. know, they had the same goal of eradicating poverty the way they see like poverty is number one on the SDG list. You know, like you, you look at the UN Agenda 21, poverty is number one, not water, not getting everyone fresh water because they're not trying to make everyone thrive. They're trying to end poverty. And yeah. the way you end poverty is by making less poor people and feeding yeah. the ones that do exist. Yeah. And that's yeah. so again, we're talking about he's talking about the same thing using different words. And yeah. he's he's just saying he wants to do it with more like pro-human rhetoric. Which is really funny because Schwab, if you listen to him, is all pro-human rhetoric. It's just the follow through that's lacking, you know, like it, it's all pro-human. And then until you have to eat the bugs <laughs> and everybody's yeah. on board until you got to go through it. Yeah. But they're really like, you know, again, they're the WEF. They're trying to solve really big problems and there is no perfect solution. There's just there's solutions that create more problems. And until you come up with a better solution... It's hard, well, to be but a, a but you would still, but uh, I would just want to burn those things down. Like, don't, just don't. Yeah, like There's Jordan, 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 just take care of like Ontario. Just, just, just convince Ontario to not be fucking crazy. Yeah, if you can't, like he says it in his own books. Like, if you can't make your own bed or clean your own room, what yeah. are you going to do to the rest of the world? Well, look at Canada, Jordan. What are you going to yeah. do to the rest of the world? You're going to fix Africa? We can't even fix Canada. It's your own house. And then he also says that thing about like the good intentions. And one of the most striking yeah. things he's ever said that was life-changing when, when he was like, everyone thinks that it's going to be different this time. And there's a man. He's like, I got news for you, sunshine or whatever. There's a guy with a gun behind you. And he's getting himself into the exact same situation just on the mm. right side, the, you know, the, 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 the politically right side of that huh. situation so he's moving himself into a very i got news for you sunshine situation and yeah. i don't know when he'll get in too deep or if he'll change directions but i do respect the man for trying to yes. do something in this well, time when so many yeah. people are just gathering yeah, yeah. supporters yeah okay yeah accumulating followers i just i don't know man i just don't know uh, why you know like whenever People like bitch about rich people, you know, like Elon Musk right. paid $40 billion for Twitter. You could have solved world hunger. I'm like, do you understand? Like if, if, if you really want these rich people to solve world hunger, they're going to end appetite. That's the <laughs> That's only right. way to solve world hunger is to end appetite. And what do you think that means? Yeah. Yeah. Like I who, I don't know if the Catholic church has a different take on it, but they kind of like, they have a different relationship to poverty. It's not something you end. It's a human condition. It's not something it's you, you end. Yeah. It's a human condition. So you are humble and face it and you tend to the needs. You don't try to end neediness. Like the, yeah. the whole frame of reference is very, it's very like Protestant Unitarian, it's just freaking, it's the same crap that we've been dealing with since, you know, like modernity. It's just this modernist problem. Like, you know, you can't, I know your teeth are getting really big and, and sharp, but you still can't bite off this thing. It's just, it's not for yeah. you to bite off. It's just not for, I, but maybe, but, but that leads to the opposite. It's like, well, don't even try to do anything. Well, yeah. And that's, that's hard too, because, you know, the problems these people are pointing out are real. Like the things that like, you know, like everybody likes to laugh at Malthus and, you know, for his predictions. But though his predictions were wrong, 
his observations hold extremely true, you know, and like there's there are limits to societies. And I think the where people are so confused right now, and I think the biggest moral dilemma of our next age, if if we were to do what I said in my perfect world where we're building the food structures and we're doing this, the biggest problem we're going to run into uh, when we kind of renationalize our interests and take care of our own first and extend out from that way is, are we okay letting people starve? You know, are you okay with, you know, they've been inflating these, the population numbers with people who aren't farmers we're giving them our stuff so if if that's now going to the to the people down the street that's not going to the people in this area and, and we get back into that like irish plight scenario where you know sending aid was actually the the worst thing you could do moralistically because they were overpopulated and if you're in a state of overpopulation then what 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 you're doing by sending aid is you're interrupting a natural process. You know, the starvation is a natural process. And then the people who will survive will be at the limits of this, of what that landmass can support. So, you know, these are really hard moral questions, like to take care of ourselves. Are we willing to let them starve? Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Man. Yeah. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I mean, that, that is, that is a absolutely, I was thinking you're going to say, well, okay, if we do renationalize, there, the United States itself has developed these mega cities that are thoroughly dependent on this global inf infrastructure. Are we, are we capable of dealing with uh, the strife and the terror that might end up reigning in our own cities? Um, yeah, due to deglobalization, if that would be. I an think occurrence. that's more of a. And I might be naive here because politics uh, and military stuff is sometimes a little like I, I pay attention to it, but it's sometimes, you know, peripheral to my actual focus. Um, but I think that's going to become more with like a, that would be more of an issue with federalization, like defederalization. Like if we defederalized and put things back on the states, I think yeah. that's where we would have we would start struggling with that. Like, you know, when an emergency strikes Ohio like is kentucky gonna rally and send food and send food if they don't have an organization set up that's cross-lateral you know because we yeah. don't really take any aid we're givers you know if we stop giving to the like every time there's a republican they stop giving to the unfpa and that's billions of dollars that just stops leaving our country because they don't like supporting the family planning and you know they're not going to pay for other people's abortions and stuff because that's against their their view um we're not, we're not takers we're givers to the world like america has plenty and that's one of the reasons why you know the commodification of people is forcing them to try to migrate people in here because they're trying to balance the the level or the, the the playing field a little bit and then you know um resources are no longer how wealth is is managed or seen in a global scenario but if you pull back to a national scenario well then pretty much all of you know the u.s and canada are in really good shape yeah. you know we're not we're definitely not europe europe is the one who's going to struggle through that and they're, they're the ones where wars probably get you know resources are you know italy's going to have some problems keeping people out of their borders if that happens you know yeah. the, like if the global systems start to collapse a little bit but america would always be fine um 
our, or I shouldn't say always be fine. Our growing pains would be much less yeah. severe than almost yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, big, big, big conversation, man. Uh, yeah. Great. Thank <laughs> you so much, Jason Bradley for returning <laughs> to my show. It's good. It's uh, yeah, it's good. It's right. I, I, I love, I really enjoy talking to you because we get to talk about these big system things and you're, you, you have the knack of like throwing a wrench and idealistic assumptions you're like oh what about you're like oh well yeah yeah, you got to think about that and i know that drives people crazy and you know thank you for liking (laughs) that because most people that's not a trait like uh most people appreciate um so and thank you for you know um uh, introducing me to your audience and stuff all the people who checked out my videos were really cool and there's just so many people who you know i know i'm not for everybody but the people who did come around were really cool you've got some really cool people out there oh so great well thank you for like it's cool to talk to you but it was also really cool meeting a lot of them they're really cool well, people the, out there hopefully another wave comes over and checks your work out because it's awesome but i I need you to explain what everybody shook meant means because that's the okay. name of your channel and, and your uh, Twitter handle. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, it's not really like a brand or anything like that. It's kind of like the, an overall message. Um, and it's a, you know, just a double entendre, you know, how it's used in street slang is, you know, every, everybody shook, you know, uh, everybody, you know, worried about what's happening everybody same, is worried everybody's shook up shook up, shaking everybody up. Okay. everybody's shook but everybody's shook like it, it was all in agreement there is no oh. you know yeah. there's no everybody shook everybody's acting like this is some kind of conspiracy and that there's this thing or that thing if we just look at the details you'll actually see if you read the fine print you already signed your soul away you know there's a uh, the agreement has already been made yeah this kind of thing the and, pact um, is sealed yeah yeah so i mean it was it's kind you of are like, the children that were were sworn to this I, I started off the project with the mentality of like the, like understanding where i wanted it to end and so i just kind of really tried to uh like that's kind of like the last line of my series yeah. and i just yeah. wanted to end there river Run. i don't know might yeah. have been a branding mistake though because lots of people uh gator uh the good guy gator online every time something shook happens or i post he's like no one's even shaking in this thing and it cracks me up every time. but yeah oh man i should have had you and him on maybe i will maybe i'll get a chance to have you both on he's a great Anytime, guy I, you know he is so awesome I, i've i've been a big fan of that guy for a while like what a cool what a cool guy right yeah like, dr roller gator for anybody tuning in yeah he has he has such a good way of breaking things down and humor is such a it's like i get really passionate about things and in doing so sometimes i get way too um abrasive or just aggressive or just emotional and like he's really good about taking an issue and not even spelling the sentence right and like spelling it in a way that's so wrong that it makes you laugh at how he spelt it and then he's even like and he just breaks down these really complex things into a simple joke that just tears it apart. I just, man, I respect that guy. He's really cool. Uh, I might be kind of nervous if you had me on him with him, but I, uh, I would, I would be welcome, or I would be open to uh, talking to anybody on here. If, uh, yeah. especially yeah. if you ever need, uh, you know, someone who knows about this stuff to talk about some 
Yeah. Well, next time Jordan Peterson's on my show, I'll, I'll, I'll call. I'll have you call in. Man, a ten-minute conversation with Jordan Peterson, and I think I could win him over to like seeing what I'm talking about because he's not an he's not an irrational guy. He's just no. wired in a way that's not letting him see what's right. Like I'm looking at it from the outside, so of course it's all there for me. But anyway, mm. he's he's way he's miles beyond me intellectually. He's just ideologically blinded to some things. I think so. Mm. That was very that was very political. So so the whole thing about you not liking politics, like it, it's not totally true because that was a very political statement. That was very. I don't know like, how that. No, it's not. I was like socially polite. You know, it's like very. No, no, I mean it. I dude, I, he's like I read his books. You know, before like I've I've liked all I've liked way more of his opinions than I have not Disagreed. liked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like any like. And some of his opinions I don't necessarily disagree with. I might disagree with how he goes about, but in this scenario, he's just flat wrong and he just can't see it. You know, yeah. he just doesn't know what he doesn't know in this scenario. And he's walking into some pitfalls that I wish I, I could be like, Hey man, you helped me avoid some in my life or you know, <laughs> this stuff. Can I help you? But it's not, it's not one of those, you know, it's not one of those things, but anyway, uh, definitely not political. I just, no, I, mean, I meant political in the sense of, in, not in the you're being fake sense, but just you're being uh, politically correct. You're just being polite. You're, you're being polite. You're just... I, I, I mean it. I try to be sincere. I, you know, you're and being I try sincere. Not to, yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> thanks, man. I'm get, I was nervous <laughs> and now I think no. my caffeine's hitting, so I'm getting all wound oh, up. Oh, wait, all of a sudden. All right. All well, um, thanks so much. Let's end the recording. Um, let me awesome. press the button here. Um... And...